In the past couple of weeks, I've had to make a trip, a couple of trips to our local Target, the one just down the street here. And uh, normally, I know that our Target is fairly busy. So I don't even bother trying to park near the Target because it's not possible. If, anybody else? Anybody else shop at our local Target here? Okay. Well, okay, just a few guys. So there's a lot of parking there just usually, no matter what time, no matter what day. But I, I already know that because, you know, I'm from around here. So I just avoid that. I literally go straight to the third floor of the parking structure. And usually I find my spot fairly easily up there. But these last couple of weeks as I was making my way up, the place was packed from corner to corner. And I was like, what's going on? I went on an off time and an off day and still packed. I decided to come back a few days later because I was like, I can't find parking and who's got time to drive around? Same thing. And I was like, what is happening? Do you guys know what's going on? No. Avengers. Endgame. It has literally filled our uh, parking lot here, the entire Plaza Bonita Mall. And you know how I know that? Because actually, I found a spot, I walked down from the stairs, and the place was, there were lines full of people. The concession stand was wrapped around. Everyone's trying to go see Avengers Endgame. Now, some of y'all probably went, you were in line, I didn't see you, but I, you were probably there. Uh, I haven't seen it, so no spoilers, please. No spoilers. If you're into that sort of thing. But what's, what's really evident all around is that everybody loves superheroes. Everybody loves superheroes. And in our culture, in our community, there is at this time a great fascination with superheroes uh, of all kinds. DC, Marvel, the MCU. Is that, is that right? Is that the thing? Is that a thing? The MCU. Um, you know, the fascination with, with heroes. The truth is, it's probably because we live in a time when we need heroes. We live in a time and in, in a period in our earth's history where there's challenges and trouble everywhere, and sometimes we just need a hero. Amen? I want to introduce you to a hero. Her name is Deb. Deborah, actually, but we'll call her Deb. She's found in the book of Judges, chapter 4. Uh, so if you would turn there for me, I have found inspiration in this hero today, and I want to share it with you. Uh, there is a Bible in the pew right in front of you, or you can pull it up in your smartphones. Our Bonita app has a Bible right in it. So you, you, you want to hit the email link there, I mean the, the website, and download it, and you, you'll have a Bible app right there. You can follow along with us. We're in the book of Judges. We're going to go Old Testament today. We're in the book of Judges, beginning with chapter 4. Judges is a, is a seldomly read book, even amongst uh, hardcore Christians, because it's back there. It's a lot of story, a lot of history, and none of the fun stuff, or at least it's so it seems from a distance. But I have found some great inspiration in chapter 4 of the book of Judges. It's right after Joshua, um, and uh, I want to share with you, uh, I found a hero for today. So if you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, I encourage you to look for yourself uh, so you can find encouragement after our time today has ended, when you go back to your life and, and uh, your days, you can still look at the Word of God. It'll, it'll go with you and it'll bless you as it has blessed me this week. So we're in chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Follow along with me. And this is what it says. 
After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabim, a king of Canaan who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth, Hagoyim, because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they finally cried to the Lord for help. So a bit of backdrop right there in those couple of verses, we get the lay of the land. So the book of Judges is a history book, a, full, a family album of, of God's relationship with his people and, and what they're up to and what they do, and, and it's recorded there. And during this time in Israelite history, they did not have kings. They didn't have leaders in that way. Uh, they were led by judges, somebody who was essentially a, um, a decider, someone who administered justice, settled disputes, and, and gave guidance for, for common living, but not a king as such. And during this time, uh, they had had a judge who lived and reigned, uh, I guess, or ruled, governed, and had led Israel through a period of peace that lasted 80 years, a long time peaceful time. But after some time, the Bible says the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And if, if you read the Old Testament, this is a very familiar theme, a very common theme. The Israelites love God, they, they, they serve Him, but then they get distracted and they, they lose their way and they repeatedly walk away from God. So that phrase, once again, you, can, you, you can't really tell <laughs> uh, all the all the SMHing that here, shaking my head, that's happening when the writers do it. Once again, they uh, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, because isn't it true, friends, that when things are going well for us, we have a tendency to take our eyes off God and start focusing in on whatever it is that's that's going well. Well, that's what happens to the people of Israel after 80 years of peace. They kind of like take take their eyes off God, and the Bible tells us that essentially God had to leave them to their own decisions. The word that is used here in my translation is the Lord sold them, but it means he, he gives them over. He lets them go. He can't hold them back from their own decisions. And so what happens? Well, they're, they're run over. They're taken over by a neighboring Canaanite king. And the Bible tells us right there that this king had such alliances that they had 900 chariots. Now for us, that may not mean like much, but for them in their time, this was a large arsenal uh, of, of what would be the most significant weapons of the time. These chariots led by horses, they could run, they could travel, they could invade at will. And 900 is a lot for this size of group. It's probably not just one army, but an allegiance of armies being commanded by this man, uh, Sisera. And the Bible tells us that the Israelites were dominated by these people for 20 years. I was telling first service that I've recently had this, like, come to terms with the concept of 20 years because I have just uh, recently celebrated my 20th year in, in ministry. I've been, I've been pastor for 20 years. That's a long time. Many people didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't think I was going to make it. So um, you get that mark. It's two decades. That's a long time because I was thinking what I was doing two decades ago and, you know, <laughs> A lot has changed. How about you guys? Anybody remember? Some of you guys obviously are less than two decades old, but the rest of y'all, not so uh, spring chickens anymore. Do you remember what you were doing 20 years ago? Remember how long that was? A lot of stuff has happened in 20 years from the year 2000. Y'all remember Y2K? How we were all bunkered down and we thought it was going to end when the thing doubled zeros? I remember. I remember we were like in church on y We were like, oh, it might happen tonight. That was 20 years ago. Remember that? We used to have those, all those 
big computers with a big screen in the back. The kids don't even know what, what is that. They don't know. That's right, and uh, the first flip phones. Okay, anyway, we digress. A long time ago, uh, and the Bible says that they were oppressed for 20 years. That means that these neighboring kings would come over and pillage them whenever they wanted. In fact, as we'll read, they couldn't travel freely. Uh, they, they couldn't conduct business freely. They were constantly living in fear. And after 20 years of suffering this, the Bible says that they finally cried out to the Lord for help. And here's where we meet our, our hero, our superhero. Her name is Deb, Deborah. You guys know what Deborah means? Where's Deb? Do you guys know what it means? It actually means bee, literally. Bee, like the ones Chris is so <laughs> carried today. That's what Deborah means. It means bee. And uh, this woman is fascinating here because uh, she's kind of a unique character in this large family album of mostly men. Here we, here we have this woman. Her name is Deborah. The Bible says, verse 4, chapter 4, read with me. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. And in that one short verse, there's like a seismic shift. And that's why, you know, for many years people just don't read Judges because they don't want to know the truth that, that uh, there was a woman here who was appointed and served as judge of Israel for these 20 years that they were under oppression after the previous judge died. But she led them. She, the Bible says, look, look, look what she does. It's fabulous. Just picture this in your mind. She held court under a palm, the palm of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. Every day she would go up to this hill, sit her in a large palm tree, and she would just hold court. And people would come and she'd say, you're wrong, get out, you <laughs> pay him. She, she ruled and, and, and she righted wrongs, corrected grievances. She was a judge. She was a judge. And she was the highest authority of Israel. But you know what else is really unique? Is that of all the judges listed in the book of Judges, this woman is the only one who is attributed to have the gift of prophecy. She was a prophetess. None of the other judges biblically speaking, are acknowledged to have the same gift. That means God chose to speak through her in a powerful way. So the Bible tells us that this is who she was. She would get up and, and, and she would judge and decide because somebody has to sometimes, right? Somebody has to make a decision. And she would correct grievances and, and settle disputes and the Bible tells us here in verse 6, chapter 4, that after 20 years of, of, of oppression, when they finally cried out to God, God answers. And the way he answers is he tells Deborah something. He puts a word in her heart. And Deborah turns around, verse 6, and she sends for Barak, the son. Now, I don't know if that's how you say it, but I'm going to say it like that, right? Because, right? Like, many years ago, we may have said Barak, but not anymore. Now we say Barak. Okay. So... Barak, <laughs> she sent for Barak, son of Abimoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead the way to Mount Tabor. And I will lure Sisera, that the commander of Jabin's army, and with his chariots and his troops and all his people, to the Kishon River, and give them into your hands. So here's this woman. She's not a king. She's not really a ruler. She's a judge. So she leads by, by settling disputes, not actually pointing out the way. But the unique thing about her 
why she's my hero is that she had ears for God. And she received messages from God. But more than that, she was emboldened to share them. She got a word from God, and she called this young man and said, you, God has said you need to go. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. I think it's cool because, because we live in a culture, in a time, in a, in, in a period in our history where we're all afraid of what God might say to us. And God forbid he would speak to someone else about us. But the Bible is full of those stories that God sends a message for, for you through somebody else. Full of those stories. You know what it's called? It's called the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy isn't meant to highlight your future. It's meant for you to bless the future of somebody else. And here she receives this message and she calls a young man, probably, and says, you've got to go. God has said, God commands you. Naturally, you might think this young man would respond positively. But see, what I'm just telling you, Israel wasn't really organized. They were just a bunch of Bedouins traveling tent, tent dwellers. They heard, that, you know, they, they, they gathered, where, but they were, just, they were not really a nation organized as such. They're mostly a collection of tribes as where these are the northern tribes of Israel. And, and so they did not have an army uh, as such. They weren't trained uh, military fighters. They would get into fights all the time, but they only would succeed when they trusted God. That's what the Bible says over and over again. But at this time, for 20 years, they have lost sight of God, and finally they reach out to God, and God says to Deborah, you call that young man, and she calls him and says, you've got to go take 10,000 10, of your men, and you go up. But his response, and this is key, this is critical, listen, his response, verse 8, and Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now, what do you think about that, guys? What kind of an answer is that? Does that sound like a hero? Was that inspiring to you? So I was telling first service, theologians are split on how to interpret this. The more generous ones say, oh, well, you know, Barak was an enlightened man, and uh, he knew that she was a judge and an authority, and, and she didn't, he didn't want people to think that, you know, he was leading the charge, was... He wanted, he wanted her authority to go with him. So come with me. We'll do this together. But other theologians are like, wimp, exhibit A. <laughs> I'm not going to go. If you don't go, I'm not, I'm not going to go with you. You don't even want like that, ladies? You don't even want like that in your life? Someone who's like, I'm not going to go. You go. You go. No, I'll go if you go. I'll go if you go. <laughs> I won't go if you won't go. Maybe, some theologians believe, maybe, maybe he didn't want to get blamed in case things didn't go right. Hmm? He was hedging his bets. Hey, if we go out and fight and then, and then we get stomped, I'm going to go, well, you know, it wasn't really my idea. Do you want like that in your life, ladies? Someone who, like, always is like, well, I didn't say we should go. Ain't anyone like that, ladies? Well, here we have this young man who, who, who God commands, but he says, I'm not going to go unless you go. But notice her response. Very well, Deborah says, I will go with you. See, this is why she's my hero. She's not a fighter. She's just a mom in Israel. And she's like, you want me to fight? Let's go. In fact, if you read a few verses, it says that she prepared herself for battle. Oh, this is a fighting mom. This is a fighting mom. And she's not scared. She's not afraid. She's my hero because she's not afraid because she knows 
that God goes before us. And the word she received was that God would deliver the enemies. And she's like, I'm not scared. I will go. But, gents, pay attention here. She says, very well, I will go. But because of the way you are handling the situation, hmm, the honor will not be yours, but it will be given to a woman. How you like that? How you like that? Come on, ladies. Somebody say amen out there. Come on, ladies. Amen, right? Hmm. If God appoints you and calls you and you're like, well, I'm not going to go unless she goes with me, then God should take the honor away from you because he's the one who called you to refuse God's call. That's to put yourself in peril. He didn't say, did God want me to go? He's like, well, this must be your idea. That's what I think. So I'm not going to go unless you go. And she's like, fine, I will go. But the honor will not be yours. It will be given to a woman. It's fascinating. I'm not going to read the rest because it's, it's like parental guidance suggested there. <laughs> this, there is a young woman who does actually eventually brutally <laughs> end the fight, mano a mano, <laughs> and using, using her subtle woman techniques, <laughs> and she ends, the, she ends the war in a brutal way. You could just read the rest. But I'll tell you this, the Bible tells us in chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, that Deborah heard a message from God and she was emboldened to step out in faith for it, even when challenged by the people around her. And you know what I call that? I call that a mom. That's a mom. That's a mom. She knows the war. She knows what's out there, but she knows she's got to get up and go. And Deborah says, I'm going. And God will deliver and, of course, I'm just going to give away the ending. You know what happens, right? Because it's right there. Well, I'll I tell you what. You know what? It's so cool. <laughs> and, and, and Deborah is so hardcore, she wrote a rap about it. It's in Chapter 5. Like, you know, because that's what you do, right? When you win, when you win a championship, you write a championship song. You know, that, so she wrote, a, she wrote a song about it. It's, it's called The Song of Deborah. It's Chapter 5. So what's fascinating about the Israelites is that whenever they would live through something, they would make music out of it. They would make music out of it, and it was meant to be sung over and over again. So you would never remember the tune and the words and, and the verse would get stuck in here. So remember what God did. And you know what we, what we call it today? We call it praise and worship. That's what we do here. And Deborah writes a song. I want to read you the song. It's fascinating. There's chapter 5. Read along with you. It's going to recount exactly what happens in chapter 4, but in, in, in song form. So on the day, Deborah and Barak sang this song. This was her singing. When the princes in Israel take the lead, the people offer themselves. Praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings, listen, you rulers, I will sing to the Lord, I will sing, I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. You know why she's my hero? She's my hero because she was willing to go long before anything was guaranteed, even in the face of doubters. And she knew she was going to praise God at the end of it. You know what to call that? A mom. Hear this, you kings, listen, you rulers, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing. She says it three times. I will sing. I will sing. I will make music. Now, I know that there are some of you in our congregation that don't understand this concept of praising God with music. But I'm telling you, the Bible is full, full, like heavy, heavy laden with exhortations for us to make music to God. You know why? Because music taps into places of your souls that your words simply cannot do. 
So the psalmist says, sing and make music to the Lord your God. I've been telling you, I'm fascinated by this concept, this idea that even right now, as you and I are talking, there's music happening in the heavenly realms. And the thousands upon thousands of angels are singing, glory, glory, the Lord God Almighty. Because he deserves that. And Deborah knows. So she's like, I'm going to sing about it, baby. I'm going to sing. See, young, young women of the church here, pay attention. Because in your mother's heart and in your mother's life, there's a song happening. And if you stand still just long enough and you can, you can watch it, you can hear it, there's a song of praise happening every day as she rises. And Deborah sings, I will sing and I will make music. And she continues, oh, Lord, when you went out from, from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, before the Lord God of Israel. And in those days, in the days of Jael, the roads were abandoned, travelers took to winding paths. Village life in Israel has ceased. Listen, she's kind of telling the story. There's more detail here in what we heard before. For those 20 years... These neighboring guys were dominating so much that they had stopped commerce. They were wearing a, they were <laughs> waging a, a, a trade war. <laughs> and they were constantly, constantly assaulting the caravans. So the Israelites couldn't conduct business. They couldn't travel. They couldn't take their goods to sell to the different tribes. In fact, if you, if you look closely, those people that were used to living more a little further out from the city centers, they had to return to inside the walls because to be outside of the walls means you were constantly going to be attacked and your stuff was going to be taken. And so she's like, village life is safe. Everybody's scared. Everybody's hiding. We can't live like this, she says. <laughs> she says, the, 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 the roads are abandoned. Village life has ceased until I arose. I rise, a mother in Israel. And in that phrase right there, I feel I found a superhero. But not just her. Not just her. She says, I rose. I rose. Deborah responds to the call of God to step into a time of uncertainty and a time of discouragement and hopelessness to profess again to forgetful hearts that God is still God and God is still good. She says, and I rise, a mother in Israel, a mother in Israel. And then she describes the rest of Israel. Look, she says, when they choose other gods, when they go after other gods and war comes to the gates, not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. They couldn't defend themselves because they lost sight of who is the true defender, their God. So she says, when war came, no one defended us, but I rise. I rise. A mother in Israel. And then she goes on to tell how when someone steps forward, you can read the rest of the song. When someone steps forward following the call of God, people will follow. It becomes evident to all because God will always deliver. She talks about here in also great detail about how they actually ended the war, but just a shorter version. Uh, they sent these 10,000 men up to the mount. And as they were going, word got out. The enemy made, got all those 900 chariots and all their horses and their big weapons. And they made their way down this dry riverbed. But as they were coming down the dry riverbed, God sent rain and turned that riverbed into quicksand. And the horses couldn't go anywhere. They were stuck. They were just sitting prey. In fact, they got so much confusion, they killed themselves. By the time the Israelites arrived, it was nothing but plunder left. Just pick up the stuff 
and go back home. God delivered. Only thing his sister escaped. He ran away, and uh, he met his end at the hands of one young woman who's like, sure, I'll help you out. And so her name is here, and the song is about her. Not Barak, but about her. But I want you to pay attention to this at the very end of her song. At the very end, chapter 5, verse 31. This is Deborah, and she says, So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but may they who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. You see, she's my hero. She's the superhero that we need today. Because in the face of uncertainty, she trusts God. She steps forward courageously. She believes even when, even when it doesn't look promising. And by her strength and by her example, others follow. And when it's all said and done, her glory and praise goes to God. And I have just been really impressed that God has planted these kinds of heroes in our lives. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge that, more than a moment. I want to say thank you to, to all the women in our church, all the moms, present and future. Yeah, I'm looking at you, young ladies. <laughs> I'm looking at you. See, I, I just want to acknowledge the truth that we here at Bonita have been uniquely blessed by God with great women leaders. It's not a secret, so I'm just going to own up to it. In my own family, the person who has the prophetic gift is not me, but my amazing wife. It is to her that God speaks. Clearly, decisively. And like a hero, she rises every day. In the years leading up to our journey down to San Diego, it was my wife who heard the call of God and heard his message. And I had to trust and get lined right behind. And God has blessed every step of the way. But the truth is, the truth is, life is hard, right? Life is hard. The everyday struggles and the challenges that we all face are hard, but, but especially for, for our women. In the workplace and at school and in, in, in life in general. There's such pressure for women to, to value themselves, to try to raise their own value. When the violence and, 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 and harassment and all this stuff is aimed straightly at them. But I want to I just bless you, women of Benita with these words, a mother rises, a woman rises in Israel, and when she rises, strength will rise. When she rises, when you rise, strength will rise. As the sun rises, so does our strength every day. I know this because every day in my house, early in the dark hours of the morning, my beautiful wife rises and braves the world Sets out to change it one day at a time. And I know it's hard. And I know the same is true for you, for your moms and for your wives and your sisters. And I just want to honor you today and bless you. You are heroes. You step into an uncertain world full of expectations, full of challenges, full of thousands and thousands of voices that say you can't, you shouldn't, you're not enough, you're not good enough. <laughs> Mom's shaming you left and right all over the place. You should do more, you should do this. But I believe that God, in his great wisdom, 
has given each one of us a great hero in you. Someone who shows, shows, us, shows us what it means to be faithful in the face of uncertainty. And when you rise, we rise. Strength will rise. So I want to honor all the moms, present, future. And I want to thank you for your continued, undying, unwavering courage to step out every day and to love unconditionally every day and to do the hard work of taking care of us at times or telling us the hard truth at times. But most importantly, your work of praising God in all circumstances. And I know the power of a praying woman because I've, I've lived it in my own life. And I just want to bless all of you and encourage you to, to continue, to continue to follow God's call, to continue to step forward. Because when you rise, strength will rise. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. May God bless you with victories over and over and over again. Whether it's at home or at work, in your, in your social circles. And that God would give you the courage to call things out. As he, has, and as he has shown it to you, to tell your children, nor your husbands, or your friends, hey, this is the truth. This is what God says. Because I know that there are more women in our church that have the prophetic gift, the ability to hear messages from God. And when you rise, we rise. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you all.